0: find uh, 1 Kings 21. Happy birthday, darling. That's what we're going to look at tonight. You should have a study guide. If not, raise your hand, and I'll have Rick or somebody get you one. mid needs one. Okay. Chapter 21. You got it? Now Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard in Jezreel beside the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And after this, Ahab said to Naboth, give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it is near my house, and I will give you a better vineyard for it. Or, if it seems good to you, I will give you its value in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. And Ahab went into his house vexed and sullen because of what Naboth Naboth, the Jezreelite had said to him, for he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said to him, Why is your spirit so vexed that you eat no food? And he said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth, the Jezreelite, and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money, or else if it please you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. And Jezebel, his wife, said to him, Do you now govern Israel? Arise and eat bread, and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth Naboth the Jezreelite. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal and she sent the letters to the elders and the leaders who lived with Naboth in his city. And she wrote in the letters, Proclaim a fast and set Naboth at the head of the people and set two worthless men opposite him And let them bring a charge against him, saying, You have cursed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. And the men of his city, the elders and the leaders who lived in his city, did as Jezebel had sent word to them. As it was written in the letters that she had sent to them, they proclaimed a fast and set Naboth at the head of the people. And the two worthless men came in and sat opposite him. And the worthless men brought a charge against Naboth in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth cursed God and the king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death with stones. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth has been stoned. He's dead. As soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, Take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money. For Naboth is not alive, but dead. And as soon as Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, Ahab arose to go down to the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, to take possession of it. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who is in Samaria, Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone to take possession. And you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, Have you killed and also taken possession? And you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, In the place where dogs licked up the blood of Naboth, shall dogs lick your own blood. Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? He answered, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring disaster upon you, I will utterly burn you up, and will cut off from Ahab every male bonder free in Israel. And I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Baasha the son of Ahijah, for the anger to which you have provoked me, and because you have made Israel to sin." And of Jezebel, the Lord also said, The dogs shall eat Jezebel within the walls of Jezreel. Anyone belonging to Ahab who dies in the city, the dogs shall eat. And anyone of his who dies in the open country, the birds of the heavens shall eat. There was none who sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord like Ahab, whom Jezebel, his wife, incited. He acted very abominably in going after idols, as the Amorites had done, whom the Lord cast out before the people of Israel. And when Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his flesh and fasted, and lay in sackcloth and went about dejectedly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Have you seen how Ahab Has humbled himself before me because he has humbled himself before me. I will not bring the disaster in his days, but in his son's days, I will bring the disaster upon his house. Folks, I want you to remember from last week that Benadad, the king of Syria, was the man that Ahab was supposed to kill. They were supposed to go into battle against the Syrians and they were to kill them. And what did Ahab do? They speared Bimedad. Well, tonight we're going to see that Naboth was a man whom the king was supposed to protect. But what do we see him doing? We see him letting the one man live who was supposed to die and the man who should, should have lived. He killed. Totally backwards. What does Isaiah five twenty say? It says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Now folks, the episode we look at tonight reveals the utter lawlessness and the pettiness, the childish pettiness, of Ahab and Jezebel. And, and we see what a miserable reign their reign was over the people. And we're going we're to see tonight that you can't break God's laws without consequence. The Bible says in Galatians 6 that God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. I mean, folks, just think of all the laws that they broke here in this chapter. As we're going through this chapter, I want you to have Exodus 20 in your mind. What, what does Exodus 20 record This The Ten Commandments. And there's commandments there about, there's a commandment there about not murdering, about not coveting, about not bearing false witness, about not stealing we could go on and on and, and we see in chapter 21 here how Ahab and Jezebel between the two of them they just broke a whole slew of those commandments so first of all tonight I want you to see that they break the first commandment to only worship God remember Ahab and Jezebel have brought Baal worship into the land folks they've substituted in a false god for the worship of the true and the living God. And what does the Bible say happens when we do that? When we we move God out of the picture, when we move his word out of the picture, and we suppress it, what happens in the land? You open the floodgates, don't you? You open the floodgates to all kinds of evil and wickedness. It's like what Paul says at the end of Romans chapter 1. The people who had suppressed the truth of God uh, because they had suppressed his truth, uh, God turned them over to their own ways. He gave them over. Three times in Romans 1, he gave them over. He gave them over. He gave them over. He gave them over to their lustful passions He he gave them over to their immorality, to their violence, to their same-sex activity. They did all this because God had given them over. He greased the sliding board in the direction that they were determined to go. This was his judgment on, on them because they had suppressed the truth of God. Jezebel and Ahab have suppressed the truth of God. And they've opened the floodgates of wickedness in the land. So they're guilty of idolatry. They break the first commandment about having no other gods before him. Secondly, they break the tenth commandment, forbidding covetousness. Look at verses 1 through 4 of what's going on there. And remember the 10th commandment in Exodus 20 about uh, coveting, that we're not to covet. We see in these first four verses that that Ahab and Jezebel, they have a summer place at Jezreel. And so right off, we're kind of being clued in the the luxury of a king, right? A king's luxuries. They, They have a vacation home. They have a summer home, essentially. And with that summer home, what do you need out beside it? You need a garden, right? Sure. That seems to be Ahab's thinking. He wants a garden. The problem is the garden spot, the land that will be the garden spot next to his summer place, that land belongs to another man, a man named Naboth. Now, he sets up a trade with Naboth. He says, you know, I'll trade you for another piece of land. Hey, I'll give you something even better. If that doesn't seem reasonable to you, I'll, you know, give me a price on the land. I'll give you whatever price you want. Now, folks, on the surface, it seems like the king is making a very reasonable offer, right? I'll give you another piece of property in exchange for this one. I'll give you money. I mean, it sounds reasonable, right? Who could be against something like that? But what's the problem? What's the issue? They weren't supposed to sell it. It was Naboth's portion of his inheritance that God gave the children of Israel in the book of Joshua when they entered into the promised land and each of the families got an allotment of land that they were to hang on to. They were to preserve their allotment for their future generations. And in, in Numbers, I think it's chapter 36, and in Leviticus chapter 25 the Bible talks about this they were not to sell off their portion of the land. They were to hang on to it. Even if they didn't want it, they were to hang on to it for their descendants. And so according to the law of God, Naboth knows that he cannot do some type of trade or sale with Ahab, he can't give up his land. It's, it's God's allotment to him. That didn't satisfy Ahab, did it? Have you ever noticed how some people, they want one thing after another, and even when they get what they think they want, that doesn't satisfy them either. Have you ever noticed that about people? Henry David Thoreau wrote, A man is rich in proportion to the number of things that he can afford to let alone. A man is rich in proportion to the number of things he can afford to let alone. Now folks, as we think about the commandments, we see that the first nine commandments have to do with with outer things while the tenth commandment has to do with the heart. Covetousness. The rich young ruler was able to say to Jesus that he had kept all the other commandments, but obviously he could not master this one. He coveted. And that's why he wouldn't give up everything to follow Jesus. Well, here's Ahab, coveting. Coveting what he can't have coveting what rightfully belongs to somebody else. And verse 4 shows what a baby Ahab was. He couldn't get what he wanted, so he he went home, went to bed, turned his head toward the wall, and and he he pouted. Folks, can you imagine a grown man acting like this? This is the king. Okay, Hathabah's not going to give me his way. And he goes home, goes into his bedroom, lays down on the bed, sulks, like a little toddler who's never been told no to anything. What a pitiful character Ahab is. I mean, just a pathetic individual, isn't he? No character. Greedy, covetous can't have what he wants. So he pouts. Well, thirdly, I want you to see they break the ninth commandment concerning bearing false witness. Look at what they do in verses 7 to 10. I mean, this is a wicked scheme. She writes letters in Ahab's name, Jezebel, his wife, she writes letters in Ahab's name and seals them with his seal. And she sends the letters to the elders and the leaders who live with Naboth in his city. And, and she says, you know, proclaim a fast. This is going to get everybody's attention. Whoa, what's going on? And they're going to, they're going to meet together to find out why are we having this fast. And, and you know Naboth's going to be there, seated at one end. Put two worthless fellows across from him, because remember, according to the Old Testament, all matters were supposed to be decided by at least two witnesses. If there were witnesses against somebody, two witnesses. And so she's scheming all of this to have these false witnesses claim that Naboth has cursed God and cursed the king so that they'll go put him to death because that was the prescribed punishment if somebody truly had cursed God in the king. But she's setting all this up. It's, it's a lie. It's an absolute lie. But it but it shows you how vicious a woman Jezebel was. I, as I told you a couple weeks ago, it's no wonder nobody names their daughters Jezebel. Hey. right? all right. <coughs> wicked lady. Folks, we are not to bear false witness. We are to speak the truth. It doesn't matter if it is in a court of law or if it's across the back fence talking to your neighbor. We are to speak the truth. And in fact, the success of society is based upon people being honest and telling the truth. When people start lying and bearing false witness, the very fabric of the home, the church, the society unravels. This is one reason I'm I'm so truly concerned about our future as a nation, because it seems like in America there's no place for truth anymore. And folks, we can't survive like this. Jezebel's problem has to do with her whole belief system also. She came from an area of the world, Phoenicia, where the king could do anything and everything to satisfy his every whim. That's the paradigm she was grown up with. The king, the pagan kings, had absolute authority. And to challenge a pagan king, even if the pagan king was wrong, would cost you your life. That's how she's been reared. Don't tell me it doesn't matter how people are trained up. It does matter. This has, been, this has been her mindset. And you know, today is we're training people up. If you train them to think like animals and leave God out of the equation, then how are they going to act? like animals, right? Your training matters. This kind of thinking has been bred into Jezebel. But you know, even Samuel had warned against this uh, being a possible temptation in the hearts of kings, that Israel wanted a king. And the danger was if this king started behaving like other pagan kings. Samuel had tried to warn him how it might turn out. And that's exactly what's going on here. Jezebel even throws in a little bit of religion, doesn't she? Just get everybody together and proclaim a fast. All this deceptive scheme she's going about, this letter and all these false witnesses... Let's just cloak it in religion, you know. If you you can sugarcoat your scheme with a little bit of religion, a lot of people just fall lockstep right in behind you. And that's what she's doing. But again, here's another commandment broken. Bearing false witness. Could you imagine having blood on your hands against somebody that you have Born false witness against them. Apparently, it didn't bother her at all. Totally calloused heart. Well, the fourth thing I want you to see they break the sixth commandment forbidding murder. The result of this scheme is what? These false witnesses say what they say against Naboth. The people take Naboth out. They stone him to death. By the way, over in 2 Kings chapter 9, it's indicated that they also must have taken his sons out there with with him, stoned them to death too. So there would be nobody who could claim that field. Everybody in Naboth's family line who could claim that field has been killed too. She, she's setting this whole thing up, you know, kind of like this is some kind of legitimate capital punishment for somebody that's cursed God. Again, trouble is, it's not true. It's a lie. Now, you know, if, if a situation like this were true, but, Don't get me wrong, there were cases in the Old Testament, just like in the New Testament, where capital punishment was not only allowed, it was actually prescribed by God. And when the community did it together, it wasn't seen in the same light as murder. It was the judgment of the community. There were certain scenarios in which... People legitimately were to put somebody to death. Paul says in Romans 13, in New Testament times, there's legitimate times when when, when uh, the government can have that kind of power against them. When somebody has done something worthy of, of death, it's not the same thing as murder. But she's trying to set, she's trying to set this up as some kind of case that's legitimate, capital punishment. And in this case, it's not. I mean, it is pure, bloodthirsty murder what uh, what is being done to Naboth here. Well, fifth, they break the Eighth Commandment concerning stealing. Look at verses 15 and 16. What's Jezebel do? Go Go get your field, darling. Happy birthday. Enjoy this gift I've I've arranged for you. And here's this pitiful little pouting king acting like a toddler, spoiled little brat. All of a sudden he gets happy. Boy, he goes down to claim his possession of it. So here's Jezebel, wicked, heartless, calculating, murderous, and here's Ahab, this puny, pathetic little character who comes across like a little puppet on the string. And he goes after his, his stolen gift to take possession of his field. Doesn't he feel good about himself now? He can plant his garden next to his summer home. He's got his, he's got his field. I tell you what, you read this story right here and, and you, just, you just see the depths to which depravity can lead people. And again, when you abandon God, it shouldn't really surprise us the lengths to which people can go to, it. the wickedness people can show. Well, they've broken all these, all these commandments. Uh, just think back with me a minute about them. The commandment to only worship God. The, the commandment that they weren't to covet. The commandment they weren't to bear false witness. That they weren't to murder. They weren't to steal. They broken all those commandments. But I want to tell you a commandment that they could not break. They can't break God's eternal law that He will not be mocked. Folks, nobody gets away with that one. Galatians 6-7 where the Scripture says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. None of us will break that eternal law. And and let's see how that plays out that they didn't get away with it. Verses 17 and following. Look at what happens here. The word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel. And he goes on to even say, he's in the vineyard of Naboth where he's gone to take possession so here's Jezbel, here's Naboth. He's running to take possession of his little plot of land so he can have his garden. And what's God do? God raises his prophet up, Elijah. Ahab and Jezbel are not going to get away with this. There's a God in heaven who sees. And he tells his prophet that he's to go and meet Ahab and confront him. I I love the way it says here, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. And what's Elijah let him know? He lets him know that the dogs are going to lick up his blood in that very place. And the dogs will eat Jezebel and Jezreel. And on top of that, all of Ahab's descendants are likewise going to be destroyed. Now folks out beside your notes there, I want you to write down 1 Kings 22 and 2 Kings 9. 1 Kings 22 and 2 Kings 9. Because when you go and read those chapters and start reading there, you're going to see how this judgment of God takes place exactly the way God said it would. In the next chapter, chapter 22, we're going to see the death of Ahab and how the dogs licked up his blood. Because here's what's going to happen in that chapter. Let me get ahead of myself for a minute. Jehoshaphat's going to come up uh, and meet with the king of Israel, Ahab. And they're going to try to go to war together against a common enemy. And uh, Ahab, well, First of all, Jehoshaphat says, let's see what the prophets say about it. They call him 400 prophets and all of them say, oh yeah, go, the Lord's giving you victory. And Jehoshaphat's like, is there not a real prophet here who will tell us the truth? Ahab said, yeah, there, there's a man, uh, Micaiah but I hate him. He never says anything good about me. Jehoshaphat says, go get him. See what he says. And uh, at first, he pretends to go along with the other prophets. He's just kind of baiting them. But finally, he says, no, you know, this, this isn't going to go well. Ahab says, see there, I told you, you never says anything good. Well, they go into war. And Ahab says, Jeho- Jehoshaphat, I'll tell you what, you wear, your, you wear your royal robes, your kingly robes, but I'm going to go in disguise. It doesn't matter that he goes in disguise. God so arranges that somebody shoots their their bow and arrow and it finds a place right in between the armor where there is no armor and the arrow gets him. And he tries to fight the rest of the day in his chariot while he's bleeding. By the end of the day, blood loss. He dies. And what do they do? They take his chariot to this place here where God said to wash it out. And what do the dogs do? Lick up the blood. And, and to, to show you the, the, the judgment too, not only do the dogs lick up the blood, but it's also pointed out, does anybody remember what else is pointed out? Just to show you. All this takes place where the prostitutes bathe. Just telling us what a despicable end Ahab comes to. And it happens to Ahab exactly the way God said through Elijah that it would happen. Exactly. He He took Naboth's blood And he's going to give up his own blood in that same spot. And then over in in, uh, 2 Kings 9, we're going to see Ahab's son dying and the dogs licking up his blood there on Naboth's property. We're going to see all Ahab's descendants likewise being wiped out. And then we're going to see the death of Jezebel and how the dogs came and ate her flesh before they could even have time to get a hole dug and get her buried. The dogs ate her flesh. Again, just like God said through Elijah. We don't mock God, do we? They broke all these other commandments and felt like as king and queen in the land, they could do anything they wanted to They weren't accountable. (coughs) They could lie, cheat, steal, murder, get away with it. Nobody would hold them to account. God held them to account. But before that happens, there is an element of mercy. Notice what happens when Elijah tells Ahab this is going to be his end. What happens? He repents. He tears his clothes, puts on sackcloth fast. It's a sign of sorrow and repentance. I guess by now, Ahab maybe has learned by now that when Elijah speaks a word from the Lord, it comes to pass. He's learned that about Elijah, right? And Elijah's a true prophet. Because remember how Elijah said, it's not going to rain. And it didn't rain for three years. There was drought and famine in the land. And then Elijah shows back up and says, Ahab, it's going to rain. And it rained. I guess, I guess Ahab has come to learn, you know, Elijah's God's man. When Elijah speaks, God does exactly the way Elijah says it's going to do it. So this time when Elijah comes to him and says, here's what's going to happen to you. Dogs are going to lick up your blood there at Naboth's property. He must believe him enough that, at least to some degree, he repents. And what's God's response? He postponed the wiping out of Ahab's descendants for another generation. Again, Ahab still cost him his life, but. He wasn't going to see his whole descendants (laughs) wiped out yet, demonstrating that God is long-suffering. He's giving the house of Ahab a little bit longer. And so this is a picture of God's mercy even in the midst of his promised judgment. But folks... Just because justice is delayed doesn't mean justice is denied. Before it's said and done, the judgment of God will fall exactly as God said. Now some lessons I'm going to leave you with tonight. God's commandments are for our good and the good of society. With the breaking of the Ten Commandments, The moral foundation of a nation is destroyed. Character and integrity disappear as well. With the breaking of the Ten Commandments, the moral foundation of a nation is destroyed. Character and integrity disappear as well. Second lesson. We should never desire what God forbids. We are to be content with what we have and not covet. Third, God sees and knows all that we do. scheme. She might have been able to fool some of the people that came to that fast. She didn't fool God. God knew what she was doing. God sees all and knows all. And then lastly, we cannot break God's laws and get away with it forever. There is a payday Someday. Any thoughts you have in closing? Sure. i just thinking we can thumb our nose at God and and God's design and God's plan, God's commandments, and that we'll get away with it. We won't. And we're not getting away with it. I mean, again, I, I referenced earlier Romans 1. Paul says, when you see happening on the streets of a nation, what we're seeing today happen is proof positive, you're already under God's judgment. Yes, judgment is, is eschatological, it's future, it's the judgment seat of Christ, but it's also present. It's now. It's now. And future, and Scripture says when we see happening, what's happening is because God in His judgment has already turned us to go our own way. Pastor Scott, I think it said that the elders knew because. She told him to find two false witnesses. Yep. So they knew right there they were breaking God's laws and commandments. Oh, yeah. And following well, they went along with it. And they just did it. And like you said, they destroyed his home. Because I was going to ask about the scenarios. Because that should have belonged down to the line. You know, <clears> half <throat> to one, you know, a quarter you know, and a yep. third. They were complicit in the taking of a man's life. And they too seemed to have no conscience about it. Makes me think of the false witnesses they produced against Jesus. They seem to have no conscience about it. They couldn't get the story short. Exactly. <laughs> you know, she brought in God to her plan. They blasphemed God. Uh-huh. So she had just enough of God in it that common people like us sure. would have said, yeah, kill them. Yeah. They blasphemed God. Yeah, yeah. And that's what the false teachers on TV and everywhere else yep. they have just a little bit of God and then God on people phone. Yeah. Very Yes. I think probably if she knew enough of God's law to know that he's <coughs> blaspheming the king and God that you will be killed then she probably also was aware that Naboth was abiding by God's law, not sell as inheritance. Sure. She just picked and chose when she wanted to use God's law for her advantage. Exactly. <clears throat> oh yeah, she knew what she was doing. She knew. This weak little pathetic character. Like I say, a little toddler. And she's ruthless. And he goes right along with it. chapter 22 next week.